we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back at my time i spent wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the wrestling changed my life podcast it's your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you from Chicago IL, Monday, December 11th. Our guest today is a multiple-time winner of the Journalist of the Year Award, the site editor for Intermat, Earl Smith. Earl's one of the leading minds on high school and college wrestling. You won't find someone with a deeper understanding of the current landscape than Earl Smith. Back in 2007, he started D1CollegeWrestling.net, and has been at it ever since. Great to have Earl on the show. Can't wait for you to hear this episode. Fan of the week goes to our friend Adam B. Schlett. That's Adam B. Schlett on the gram. He's a motorcycle enthusiast, a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and a listener of this podcast. Adam, thanks so much for the support. Greatly appreciate it. Quick note, folks. This interview was recorded last Tuesday. That's Tuesday, 12-5. So anything that happened this weekend, we did not cover but that's it, folks. Enjoy it. We'll see you next week. Earl Smith, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Big fan. Thank you, brother. It's good to have you on. Man, you are, I think about someone who's just in the trenches, in the weeds, high school, Division One. I. I mean, you're the site editor for, for Intermap, but man, you are you are just right in the trenches of everything. We're going to go through your background and, and some of the stuff you're doing now, but man, we're coming off a crazy Vegas weekend. Is this the toughest in-season tournament of all time? I don't know about all time, but I know uh, we were on press row and I was talking with the uh, infamous Seton Hall Pirate and the Flow Wrestling crew. And what we could come up with was, I think, 2013 or 14 Southern Scuffle. Um, that time they had Penn State, Oklahoma State, and Minnesota, who ended up finishing one, two, and three in the nation. Mm. Um, I don't think that that tournament had the kind of depth that this one does. I mean, you had like, uh, before the, before the tournament started, you could have had uh, three out of the four quarterfinals at 184 feature all Americans wrestling. Like that didn't happen, but it could have. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, all the other, you know, eight out of 10 at a certain weight. Um, so I would venture to say, and unless you go back to your old school, post-grad midland days yeah you know, it's, it has to be the toughest tournament since then and it's like it's crazy my brother's listening and he knows i have recency bias so i'm always like the most recent thing happened i'm hyping it up but i just to your point the depth of this tournament was incredible i mean we had guys who are returning all americans who were like the 16 seed 
high school studs like Braden Thompson, an Illinoisan, you know, and then you look at Meyer Shapiro, these guys are like on the level and they didn't even sniff the podium. It's yeah, like, and that, that's that's ridiculous. And you're crazy. seeing like half the half the 33 ranked guys were at some of these weights. And, you know, it, it, these in-season tournaments, you know, sometimes first round or two can kind of be whatever they are. But, you know, second second round, everybody's looking forward to Shapiro and uh, Bryce Andonian and, uh, you know, you have Shane Griffith going down early and it, it's just ridiculous. And as I watch all the Stanford guys, kind of they're doing their thing. I'm thinking about Rob Cole and I'm thinking he's at this tournament with UNC. I don't think they had the best tournament. And I know he's going to build them up and, and T, uh, Tony Ramos are doing great things, but you got to think a little bit like Stanford's having this up and coming year, mostly because of Rob Cole's recruiting, I would imagine. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the guys in there now, Chris Harris, but dude, these guys are young and they're killing people. Yeah, I mean, I, I tracked down airs like as the tournament was winding down after Nico Provo already won and, you know, kind of congratulated him. And he, he said that, you know, Rob, Rob left me with some good guys. So, you know, he he's not shying away from that fact. Um, you know, that was probably one of the biggest takeaways for me was the Stanford guys. Um, you know, they were they were ready to go. And, you know, before the tournament, Tony Rotundo, I, I tweeted that he kind of warned me, like, watch out for these young guys from Stanford. And then a couple minutes later, uh, Tyler Knox beats Nick Buzakis. And, then, you know, a couple hours later, uh, Lorenzo Norman beat Shane Griffith. So I was like, man, okay, Tony, <laughs> you, you're on to something. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's amazing to see that. And like you mentioned, you know, Buzakis, you see him go down first round. And I'll admit, in my head a little bit, I'm thinking, what's wrong with this guy this year? Like, he's so highly recruited. He's so dominant in high school and at the age group levels, but had a, a couple losses you wouldn't expect. Guy comes back and gets third and shuts me up real quick. Like, that's the kind of guys that they got in that room at Ohio State. Seven straight wins on the backside. That is not for the faint of heart. Crazy. <laughs> now, if you're, uh, I don't know about you, but I love college football and I love NFL. And on the Pat McAfee show, they have Overreaction Monday. If you had to have some overreactions from this tournament, I got two. But let me hear you. One of your first overreactions coming out of this tournament. Ooh. Okay. Um. Man, I would. I'm really, really thinking twice about. Uh, and maybe this was kind of Iowa, Iowa State. I watched younger Batista, Bastida, and was like, I think he's one of the guys up at you know heavyweight, and then he kind of proved it. So I really want to see him against your Hendrickson, Kirkfleet, because uh, <laughs> you know he, he's he's definitely a title contender. He's special, and obviously a folk style title contender. But I'm thinking 2024, 2028. He's gonna be deadly in freestyle because what he did when he lifted was that davidson yeah high crotch folks you got to go back and watch this flow has all the matches in the finals against michigan stud wrestler and davidson younger literally is kind of backing up you think he's gonna get hit for stall and pops a little high c one arm lifts the dude up like with his back mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like how strong is that guy yeah and then then I guess kind of carrying over from the all-star match. Um, I had a thing. I, I'm always cautious doing rankings when you have a guy from a smaller school, smaller conference jumps into, you know, big 10 or one of these big schools. And uh, 
Isaac Lennox from Oklahoma State. You know, he he was all American at Northern Illinois last year, and he goes and beats Steen Hamity at the All-Star Classic. That was a guy that beat him last year. He beats Cam Amin, who had beaten him twice the previous year, and uh, you know, beats Ramirez, who who beat uh David Carr in the semifinals. So like he's legit title contender. You know, we're we got Keegan O'Toole there. We also got, you know, Carr and Amin and all those guys still around. So I I wouldn't have pegged him as a title contender, you know, before the season started, but you know, he's he's made me a believer. And he looks like he just has that Oki State style from the late nineties. Like he looks good out there in the orange. He's got that movement. He just looks like he's been there five years. And yeah, his confidence level, I don't know if it's confidence, whatever it is. Dude's jumped big time in just a, a six, nine-month period. And that's not taking anything away from my guys at Northern Illinois because I know they found this guy and built him up. But, hey, man, something's going on down there, and he's wrestling with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he really is. And and he was like, hey, I, you know, I got a good slide-by, slide-by is my move. Everybody knows it's coming, and man. You know, I'm, I'm still going to hit it, basically. <laughs> he hits it from no matter how deep the guy is, too. Like, he – yeah, he's impressive, man. He really is. Yeah, that was such a crazy weight. Camamine taking fourth, David Carr taking him out. The Julian Ramirez situation was interesting. Um, I'm thinking Ramirez, not Foca, right? Who took yes. out Carr? Yeah. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... So Ramirez was... That was an interesting match. The overreaction Monday for me, and this is... I love Cornell more than anyone. I was shocked, though, that Meyer and Foca did not place at this tournament. And I was also a little shocked at Michigan... Didn't seem to be coming out the gates. And again, I love Bournemouth. I love all those guys. I'm just saying those two were a little surprising. On the flip side, Iowa State wrestling is such a fun team to watch. Like, I love this team. I just, they're so, they just get after it. I mean, they won the whole thing. And Nebraska's always consistent. But I would say those two guys for Cornell not, Cornell not placing were kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, in, in my preview, I, you know, I didn't care how stacked the weight was. You know, I, I picked Shapiro to make the finals, you know, and then then he goes and majors Bryce Andonian and and, you know, Bryce has a unique, unique style where, you know, he can put himself in danger. So so that is makes him susceptible to giving up points. So but at the same time, I was like, he is the real deal. And then, you know, he loses to Cardenas the next match and. Yeah, I, I was very surprised about that. Foca as well. Um, I, I don't think, it, uh, I mean, from what I understand, it wasn't like all year that they planned to go 84 with him. So I don't know if he's not totally filled out for the weight or, or what it is. But, uh, you know, I definitely assumed he would be a title contender at 84. And, you know, two losses in the first two days of December doesn't mean he isn't a title contender. But at the same time, Kind of surprising, right. like you said. Well, two two guys who you thought could win the tournament, and not you know, I thought maybe they medical defaulted. They both wrestled and just didn't couldn't get anything going. I mean, I know they'll they'll turn things around up up there in Ithaca, but and for folks who listen to the podcast who are more the traditional wrestling fan and don't know some of these high schoolers, talk a little bit about Meyer Shapiro and why he's so highly touted. What's his background? Yeah, he's uh, world champion at the U seventeen and U twenty level. And, you know, when, when he won this year, it wasn't particularly close. And, 
any of his matches, I, I don't believe. And, you know, he made the team beat uh, Antrell Taylor from uh, Nebraska, who um, had a really solid redshirt season last year. So um, I don't know, just uh, from, from what I've seen, from what I trust people, you know, from people I trust, what they're telling me, like it was, it was kind of like, this is the next Yanni Dake, you know, the next in your list of uh, Cornell studs. And again, there's nothing that says he can't be, you know, um, I, I think it always makes you appreciate Kale Sanderson's record for, you know, even more when you have one of these guys, because, you know, Shapiro could very well go and win four titles. You know, there's nothing that says he can't right now, but at the same time, you know, going 159 matches without just one little bad weekend, one little hiccup is ridiculous. So, um, but yeah, um, I, I still expect him to be a guy, you know, he was the, you know, Willie, Matt scouts had him number one in the class of 2023 and, uh, across all weight classes. Yeah. Across all weight classes. Um, him one, I think Christian Carroll two. And uh, Brady Thompson, uh, top five ish as well. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. Like the the sky, like he's on the level of a, of a Messenbrink, a Levi Haynes. Like and he could easily win it, and it's not going to surprise anyone. And what's even more strange about it is he, you know, he does what he does, Dandonian, who's a really tough mat. I mean, that guy is just wild. That guy is mm-hmm. freaking crazy. And then yeah, majors Andonian. And then, uh, you know, had had a tough couple of matches. So we'll see how he rebounds. I think they're going to the Frank's National Duels event, Cornell, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. So they'll be there. They've got relatively quick turnaround, get some good duels down there. So, um, and again, you know, these labels, number one overall recruit, next Yanni, next Dake, whatever, probably not fair to, you know, a high school kid, you know, first year freshman, um, you know, still trying to establish himself and you know there's there's a ton of pressure i'm sure he puts pressure on himself too but uh you know we'll see we'll see it'll be it'll be good a lot a lot of season ahead and i think to your point about the kale comment the other thing that gets me is that this year is so deep i mean literally from week one when i barely tune into the open so i'm not as diehard as like guys like you are i've been following every week and it's been awesome since that first clarion open weekend it's been an amazing season so far yeah, no, what I really like is, uh, you know, I, I loved having the fi- uh, the fifth and sixth and seventh year guys, you know, that, that was cool. You know, they, they missed out on their tournament. So um, you give them the extra eligibility. Um, but now we're seeing these weight classes clear out or we're, we're seeing the, some of the three and four and, you know, two-time champions moving out and having these weights like 125 where there isn't a Spencer Lee, Patrick Glory, Nick Suriano at the top of these weights where, yeah, anything can happen. You know, um, a guy that's ranked number 20 could beat the guy that's number two. And I I wouldn't be that, that surprised about it just because that weight class is really solid. So I think you're seeing that across a lot of these weights where – you know, there, there isn't that one dominant guy, one or two dominant guys now up top upper weights, you have Penn state and, you know, they kind of fit the bill for that comment, but uh, you know, otherwise, and it has been really exciting. Oh yeah. And you look at 197 is Trent at 197 or 184. Yeah. 97. So him and Brooks is going to be a showdown. 
I also think Younger and Greg is going to be oh. a good match. And and I know Hendricks Hendrickson's out there as well, but you talk about Penn State's upper weights. Like there's there's not many guys in the whole country that are going to challenge those guys, but there are going to there are a few challengers. Trent's definitely going to have something to say about Brooks and Younger and a couple of guys at heavyweight. 174, I don't know on that one. That might just be that might just be a clean sweep. I don't know on that one. Yeah. Who's, who's two right now? Uh right now it's uh Makai Lewis and uh you know Shane Griffith. That yeah, 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 yeah. And Shane Shane Griffith dropped a little bit. Um he was three, so so yeah, that, that one if I if I had to say, you know, who I was kind of most confident about coming out on top in March out of any of the weights, I'd probably have to pick Carter at this point. And if you look at in outside of the Vegas stuff this weekend, and there's a tremendous amount we're not hitting on that we may circle back to the other big match, you know, Penn state Lehigh out East, you got to give it to Croker, man. This guy's coming up and he's taking no, no prisoners. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, uh, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half ago, I, I released our national rankings and I have him at number one now. And, you know, I, th- I think he's earned it at this point with obviously the veto win and Aaron Nagal, you know, big 10 finalists, all American. Um, and if you look at the schedule, they've got Oklahoma state on Friday, they're going out to Oklahoma state. Now Dayton fix was kind of a last minute pullout at CKL CKLV. So I don't know if he's going to be wrestling, but that's just another one. He he has a list of these guys that he can hit all before the new year, which is pretty ridiculous. What what's his background? He he was uh, I think he won the Super Thirty Two as an eighth grader, and he won it a couple times. Uh, dealt with dealt with injuries. I think his last two years of high school, so he wasn't on the scene doing all the big tournaments as much as some of the other guys. So he, he kind of drifted down the rankings a little bit, um, kind of gotten overlooked, but he's from Lehigh's backyard, a uh, local kid. And, uh, you know, he, he's been one of the best in the country whenever he's wrestled. And he is like, he's got such a crazy scrambling ability too, like, like a trick leg, like, like one of the most extreme cases of it, you know, trick knee, trick leg. When people get in on that shot, he just goes right to it. I mean, especially against Nagao, you saw that. I thought he was going to blow his knee out. Yeah, I know. You, you, you get kind of scared for these guys in this situation. Oh, my like God. That. You know, I was, I was just kind of – I can't remember who I was talking to, but we were just watching these matches in Vegas, and I think it was, you know, freshmen and just the the – technical wizardry of the scrambling and the you know stuff like that it, it's just amazing well you look at you know anytime it's early folk style and we're used to watching freestyle all summer you really take for granted how hard it is to score a takedown in folk style like yeah. it is these guys are so deep and then you know guys are flipping through and they're very they're pretty loose with the neutral danger call like he doesn't really seem to be that like impactful but like, man, I, maybe it was even David Taylor had said it during the All-Star Duel broadcast. It's like, freestyle, at the very least, you're going to get your push out. Maybe you'll get your takedown. It is so freaking tough to get that takedown with the scrambling now. It, it's just, you really, when you watch folk style after watching a freestyle summer, it really jumps out. Yeah, and I mean, and then you can get your exposures when, you know, you're deep on a double. And in, in freestyle, you can, you know, tip them over, get the exposure there. 
and you know folk style you can still roll out of it and uh mm -hmm. yeah as far as neutral danger goes i like to joke I, I always say even though we're i don't know what five or six years into this thing uh i feel like a lot of the referees kind of forget about it for a second and the coaches start screaming and then like a second or two later then it's like oh yeah and you know they start the count and then <laughs> yeah and then uh they uh so is it know, two swipes is a takedown or what is the rule yeah, it's uh, three swipes. Three swipes. Yeah. Okay, three swipes. Yeah. And so they, they usually miss one, I feel like. But oh, easily. Maybe, yeah. maybe one and a half, but, you know. Well, there was a tweet. It was like Etchemendia first round. Literally had like some dude in a front headlock on his feet and just takes him right to his back. The guy hops back up. No takedown. And, and it wasn't a folk style takedown, but someone commented and they're like, in what other grappling sport does taking a man from his feet to his back equate in no points? And I'm like, folk style is a, really is a control game. You know, like you can see some pretty explosive things. And especially with these Cubans now at Iowa State, yeah. you're probably like, man, what kind of a bizarre form of wrestling is this where we get no points for that? But it's it's definitely different. Yeah. And I mean, I... I'm one that likes kind of the differentiation between the two styles. I don't necessarily want college and high school to totally be freestyle and, and just eliminate folk style. So I do like having, you know, a little bit of a dip separation between the two. Would you ever advocate a push out point in folk style? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably necessary. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, too many times where, you know, we saw the all-star match, I think um, probably the the worst example, the 84 match with Kekaisen and Truax. And I think there was maybe four or five out of bounds situations and a couple of them had them grabbing the edge of the mat. And, you know, eventually Stalin got called, but it's, it's much better, you know, flowing for the fans, uh, you know, if, if you're pen penalizing a guy for stepping out. I like the thought of a push out in folk style. I just wonder how messy it would get with grounded with, again, going back to the folk style scrambling, like it would get really hairy. Um, and even like with getting out from bottom, right? Like let's say a guy's on bottom, they get out, they turn in on the edge, they're fighting hands. They turn in, they get one and then they go out. Is that one for the other guy for the push out? So neutral or uh, top and bottom could be interesting too with that. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's why, I'm not totally into it or, you know, when you're talking the differences between freestyle and folk style and, you know, I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, freestyle is better, you know, this and that, but there are those situations like the grounded where you could watch 10 matches, see 10 situations and, you know, I don't know, four or five different in interpretations of how it's called. So it's definitely not perfect. Right. Well, and you mentioned you released the the rankings this morning. So are you the main ranker for Intermat? Yes. Uh -huh. Wow. So so tell me a little bit about how you ended up at Intermat. I want to hear all about d1collegewrestling.net. Oh, okay. But yeah, so let's just let's just kind of maybe we could just start there. You know, so you were a high school state placer in Virginia. You coached at Manassas Park for for several years. At some point, though, you end up out of wrestling. How did you get back into it? Yeah, so um, I never saw myself coaching. So when I did, I just kind of – I never saw myself coaching wrestling. I always thought I'd be a baseball coach. And and when I did, it was just kind of like, whoa, okay. Like I, I'm not 
I don't have that great technique. I don't have, you know, this, this great wrestling mind or experience. So I've just got to totally like immerse myself in the sport. And, you know, I, I tried to learn everything I could. I tried to get all the videos I could, all the old footage, which, you know, we've talked about with uh, YouTube. Um, so, you know, I, I did that for a few years. I had a job as uh, I have a, had a bunch of different, career fields before, uh, wrestling full-time, but, you know, one of them was, uh, working as a special education instructional assistant in the middle school, which was adjacent to the high school, just so I could be at practice, uh, basically. Okay. And, uh, so in high know, school, you weren't like all in on it. You, you did a multiple sports, but then once you got into coaching, you got obsessed with wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I played three sports in high school. We were a very small school. So, uh, we kind of had to play multiple sports at the time. So, uh, so yeah. Um, and then kind of, you know, life's taken over and I, I, uh, you know, meet who was, you know, then my girlfriend, now wife, um, had to make a little bit of money, had to, you know, be able to afford stuff. So I had to get kind of a real job. Um, and, usually those things uh, can be difficult to get to, you know, high school wrestling practice at two 30 every day. So um, I kind of just decided like, I, I need, uh, I need some sort of outlet to channel my, you know, wrestling nerdiness and my wrestling obsession. So um, I just started this website called D one college wrestling.net in the summer of 2007. And at that point flow, may have been Martin in a van like Flo was just getting started as well um Jason Bryant was at Intermet um I just felt generally there wasn't enough college wrestling coverage and so I just said I'm gonna do this and so I kind of spent the whole summer kind of researching um basically I thought you know out, out of the message boards when I go to the message boards what are the th things that fans want to know about you know your team's lineup uh, recruits, uh, scheduling, uh, rankings. And so that was kind of like the hallmark of what I built the site around. And I did about everything that I could like on my own and, uh, had this thing live and ready to go. And I, I hit the live button, sent emails to every sports information director to every coach in the country, um, saying, it's my website on the co uh, cover college wrestling from now on. And uh, it was funny because I, I remember it to this day. I was out at uh, dinner at a Pancho Villa Mexican restaurant with my wife. And she kind of was like, uh, you know, you're really quiet. What's, you know, what's going on? And so I was like, cause I hadn't told her what I was doing. I was like, okay. So, you know, over the past, however many months I've been doing this I built this website and she you know she was like okay and I'm the idea guy she's like the implementer and like she she's definitely the one that's going to get things done so she was like what do you what do you plan to do with it I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh she she had like two or three other questions about it and I pretty much said I don't know to everything she said and uh, 
So I, I go home because this was 2007. So we didn't have all our emails synced up to our phones and everything. So I run and jump on the computer to see if anybody responded to me. And the very first person I saw was Kerry McCoy. He was the head coach at Stanford at that point. And he said, uh, you know, it's a cool website. I, you know, I, I like the idea of it. Um, you know, our lineup you have, you know, this guy's going to redshirt. This guy's going to bump up. This guy's going to drop down a weight. You know, here's two recruits that came on late. You know, uh, here's our schedule we haven't released yet. And, you know, let me know if you need anything else. Look forward to, you know, checking in. So I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so like, this is, this is real. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, I, cause you know, I didn't know him at the time. And, you know, since I've known him, he's one of the, you know, more beloved people in the sport and just generally good guy. But, uh, you know, I just knew him as the, you know, stud heavyweight wrestler. Um, so I don't know what I would have done if somebody would like the first email I picked up would have been like, this is stupid. Why are you bothering me with it? But I saw that email from him and it was just like, boom. Okay. Um, and yeah, we're good. And so I had about a month of doing whatever I was doing with it. And, you know, I, I went to uh, Kirsty, my, my uh, now wife and said, you know, you asked me what I want to do with this website. So, um, you know, I'm either going to make enough money where I sustain myself um, you know, maybe I'll sell it to somebody or it's just going to lead to full-time employment in the wrestling business. And like, that's the goal. And it was the goal from like summer, fall, 2007. Dude, that's so cool to hear that. And I think about it and I just relate to my own excitement with building this podcast, like the first six months, first year, it's just so exciting. And there's so much just new and momentum. And, and like you said, like the first time someone who you look up to, like a Kara McCoy responds to you as a peer, you're like, Oh shit. Like they look at my <laughs> stuff, you know, it's like crazy. So it's so cool to hear that. Cause man, Oh seven, how are you even building the website? There's no like gig websites. Who's doing the coding. It was, it was just a, a basic, like it was called a one-in-one -one web builder or something. So it was very simple. Like all I had to do was just input the words like i didn't need to know any coding or anything like that right um so it was very very simple very basic and to know enough to do rankings and that was kind of my original question you have to be so in the weeds so like have you been following like d1 wrestling at that granular level basically since 07 08 ish uh yes yeah wow that's incredible so what happened after that? So you launched in 07, you ran it till 2017. When did you start getting pulled into some of these other publications and, and getting some national exposure and attention? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did it from that time you said in, in seven to 17, that's, that's 10 years. And I kind of hit the wall at that point. Um, you know, I talked about flow being nothing in 2007. Well, 2017, you know, they were kind of on the path to the site that we know now, you know, others kind of popped up, um, you know, others, uh, you know, made different investments into, you know, college wrestling. So um, I didn't necessarily have the, the money or the time to really keep going like I wanted to, because um, for 
I guess the bulk of that time I was a 911 dispatcher. And so I worked about 40 some hours, close to 50 some hours a week, and then kind of do whatever I could do with the website from, you know, nine o'clock till two in the morning or, you know, on my days off. So um, I also had kids that were starting sports and, you know, when, when, when the kids aren't doing anything, it was easy for me to justify just going up to Pennsylvania for, you know, the day to watch some tournament or something, but, you know, I, I don't want to miss their game to do this and I'm not making any money off of it. So it was like, you know what, this is, it was a good run. It's been a lot of fun. I've, I've met some cool people, you know, I'm obviously still going to be a fan, but I, th I think we're done. And so I don't know, within maybe a month or so after that, I saw Alex Steen, who is the site editor of the open mat say something about, uh, we need somebody to do high school coverage for us this year. So um, I didn't really know Alex. I had kind of conversed with him on Twitter a couple of times, I think, and he seemed like a, a knowledgeable guy, like the stuff he wrote. So, um, you know, we exchanged messages and I'm back in it right there. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was, it was funny because it was, it was kind of like, um, a breath of fresh air because I've been following, you know, college so hard and then it's high school and it's just kind of a different animal where if you're following recruiting for college, let's say you're kind of focused on, let's say the top 200 guys. But if you're doing high school rankings and you're doing them right, you need to know the fifth place guy in Illinois, you know, 3A. You need to know like pretty much all the Pennsylvania state qualifiers and California and stuff like that. So it was just a different level. And I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm the type of person, if I have an interest in it and then I can just, you know, I can dive in, go way down the rabbit hole and it, it's cool for me and I enjoy it and it's fun. So this was kind of new knowledge that I, you know, new ways of kind of testing myself. So, so I had a lot of fun with it and you know, we kind of had hopes of, you know, him doing college, me doing high school and really kind of kicking ass. And, you know, the, the management didn't want to bring on anybody full time. And it just so happened that he had something going on outside of wrestling. So at the end of the 2017, well, I guess it was 2018 season, um, he stepped down and they brought me in as the site editor. So, that was uh, like, it, it was pretty cool for me because that was, you know, 2007. I said that this was kind of a goal of mine and uh, I got kind of close in 2014-15 of that happening, but um, it, it did then. Um, Willie was at Flow and he contacted me and that was when he was moving on to kind of uh, oversee a lot of the combat sports. So he, he asked if, you know, I wanted to come on to run things. And basically it was, uh, you know, I can't move from where we're at right now. There, there's some family stuff going on where I could not go to Austin, Texas. And when we kind of, I kind of left it as like, if you change your mind, then let me know. And I think he kind of was like, if you change your mind, let me know. So um, that was kind of it. But I guess it kind of planted the seed. 
Did you know Willie before that? Yeah, I uh, I think it was 2010, I want to say, the NCAA tournament. Um, I happened to be sitting next to him. He was, um, I don't know whether he was working full-time for the open mat or I don't know what he was specifically doing, but he was covering the NCAA tournament and he was uh, sitting directly next to me. And that was kind of him breaking into the game. So, you know, we're, you know, talking as much as you can talk for, you know, three days at the NCAA tournament, sitting next to each other and, you know, Twitter stuff and, and stuff like that. So, so we had always kind of, um, at that point hadn't been like best friends or anything, but, you know, we, we liked each other, respected each other and had, you know, open lines of communication. Doesn't it kind of just make you sad, nostalgic to think that Willie used to be on FRL every day? <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's hard for me to think about now. It seems so long, but it's yeah, like, it seems like God. a million years ago at this point. But. Oh, you know, someone like him, someone like you, like you guys are just so into it. And like to follow it at that high school level is just such another commitment. I mean, it's like I, I go out to bars with my friends like, oh, you're a wrestling diehard. And I am. But like what you guys do. I don't think people realize how much time and commitment you put into it. And so it's funny. You said, Willie tried to bring you into flow because, you know, lo and behold, 2021, he buys Intermat. What happens next? So at that point, uh, I guess we were closer. Um, I know when he had the announcement, he was leaving flow. I sent him a message and said, you know, I'm sure you have something in the works, but you know, if not, I'd love to, try to figure out a way to get you with the open mat. Um, you know, so he had his thing with Rockfin. So he started that, was doing well. And, uh, you know, we, we had this group chat of a bunch of, bunch of friends. And at one point he's like, Hey, I, I, I hear they're selling an intermat, you know, I should buy it and we should all like run it together. We, you know, we can, we could all be on it together. And it got a, you know, a laugh or something. I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. And uh, so then I don't know, maybe a month or two later, um, he calls me up and uh, he just says, um, I've got something to ask you, but please, I don't want you to be offended. So <laughs> Willie's saying this, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be bad or weird or I don't know where he's going with this. But uh, he's like, you know, you're doing well at the open mat, but uh, would you ever consider leaving? And I I mean, yeah, I, mean, I always keep my options open, you know, if something good pops up, you never know. Um, so he's like, okay, well, I have something kind of in the works and I just wanted to know that before I proceeded any further. So, okay. So then, you know, another week or two later calls me up, Hey, I'm in the process of buying Intermat, and I want you to run it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to go through this if, you're not in. So, you know, it, it took some kind of working through to, you know, talk it over to see if uh, that's something I wanted to do and his vision and, you know, talking over with the wife and, and people I trust. And uh, then I was like, yeah, I mean, just kind of the, the name, I guess for both of us, the name brand recognition of Intermat, the wrestling community is, you know, was, was, really hard to pass up mm -hmm. and it's especially when you're going into it with someone like that who's so committed and you know for you a side editor like talk us through like what does your week look like are you responsible for 
articles on the site. You're obviously responsible for rankings. Do you guys have interviews you're doing? I saw there was like a Big Ten preview podcast. What does that look like? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm I'm responsible for the day to day operations. And you know, when Willie hired me, he said, you know, I want to give you a good team. Um, I want you to do the things you're good at. I don't want you to burn yourself out. Uh, you know, writing. I want you to be, you know, you, you're going to be best when you're fresh. So, um, you know, we do have a great team around us. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm coordinating with them, um, you know, scheduling content and, you know, doing rankings every Tuesday and, you know, posting the articles, uh, editing, um, you know, writing my own content. So, uh, kind of, kind of a little bit of everything. It's cool to think about. You're like every week designing content for all levels of wrestling and for the entire website. And it's like, you guys are putting out content. And what I really like is that each kind of conference has, a, you have someone covering that. And it's, it's just really, you can tell it's, it's in the weeds content. Tell me about the rankings. Cause that's that I can't imagine what kind of flat comes with being a ranker. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you've been dealing yeah. with it for a long time, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely does. Um, and, you know, I, I try to remember that it's, uh, you know, on some level it does impact, you know, the, the wrestlers out there and the coaches and jobs and livelihoods and, and stuff like that. So it's definitely not something to be taken lightly. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it definitely has, you know, you rank this guy high, then, you know, this guy's going lower because of it. So, you know, there, there's generally might be somebody unhappy. Um, basically, I, I try to be as straightforward as possible with, you know, if anybody has questions about it. And uh, I also, I don't know, I, th I think I like to... I guess every situation is different. You know, there, there's going to be certain weight classes where this applies and certain weight class where that applies. Um, you know, I, I mentioned 184 earlier. Um, you had Kek Heisen win and Truex wrestled and won his duel. But like a lot of those guys after, <clears throat> after them, like you mentioned Foca and Trey Munoz, um, you know, those were Trey highly Munoz, ranked guys. Another yeah. guy, yeah those are highly ranked guys that didn't place. So I'm going to handle that a certain way, but this other weight class, you know, th there may not be the same rules that apply to it. Um, you know, what I have found is if you have a hard and fast rule, like I never take a guy off of number one, if he didn't lose, like that's generally a good rule of thumb but you're kind of going to box yourself in at some point, there's going to be, you know, some, some situation that comes up that you can't really foresee. Um, I know, and I'm not trying to throw any shade or anything, but, you know, a couple of years ago with Flo and the uh, RBY DeSanto match where RBY takes him down to his back twice. And uh, then DeSanto defaults out of it. Their kind of line at the time, I don't know if it still is, is, injury defaults don't count. We're not counting those. So, you know, generally there's some times where like uh, earlier this year, Ja'Cory Teamer 
you know, hits his head like 30 seconds into the match, scoreless match. To me, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's nothing. But when you're got multiple takedowns to the back, like I'm, I'm okay with saying I'm counting this as, as a win for this dude. That was such a weird match with that pulling that knee out to the side like that. And then the injury Mm -hmm. default for six, like that was great. I was there for that. That was insane. What about what'd you do this year when, all right, let's say you had Vito one fix two. when Vito lost, did you move fixed to one or Vito? Yeah, I did move fixed to one. And because the other guys put Crocom at one, which yeah. I love Kozak. That's a little aggressive, though, to bump him over fix. And I, th- I thought it was aggressive as well. And what I would say to people with that is really it's an imperfect situation with no right answers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely no matter how you go, you know, I, I consider, do you keep veto number one? Um, I hate when that happens though. Yeah. I hate when people do that. When wrestling does that a lot. I did that last year when Liani lost. Cause I was like, you know what? He's lost or he's won 75 matches in a row. Um, After Gomez beat him. Yeah. I, I didn't think that there was a clear cut guy who should be number two or number one, um, you know, based on the stuff that happened. So so that was an option. I didn't like it. Um, the Crookham, you know, I thought it was too soon, second week of the season. Um, and then you put fix number one. It's like, well, Vito majored him in the NCAA semis. So, you know, it's it's a no-win situation per se. You know, everything kind of doesn't look very good. Um, now, I was more comfortable now that uh, – you know, uh, Crookham one beat uh, Nagal. Oh yeah, no, that's him. that's clear cut at that point, and especially when Fix didn't wrestle this weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, like he was there. I, I'm sure he's fine, but I do think, like, yeah, you beat man Nagal is he's right up there, and it was pretty. It was two takedowns to zero, right? Yeah, that's pretty clear cut. Yeah. yeah. So, and I don't think I don't know. What do you think? You think we're gonna see Fix and uh, Crookham this week? I don't know what to think because I, I know last year I interviewed Fix after he won the Southern Scuffle. And I don't know if you remember, but the scuffle was kind of when everything came to a head last year about people ducking and missing tournaments. Cause there was a lot of guys between Midlands and Scuffle where their teams entered and some of the better guys didn't wrestle. So there was a lot of talk of it. And I asked him about it and he basically, you know, said, Coach Smith said it's on the schedule, so we're going to wrestle. <laughs> and, uh, All right yeah, then. Yeah, All right. So, then. Uh, so I'd love to that, see that. And, and you know, he he didn't miss any matches last year. And I think I, I was trying to. I think I did an article about uh, the teams that wrestle the highest percent of matches with their starters, and I I believe Oklahoma State was number one. So. Oh wow. Um, so that duel would be good though. Like Leah yeah. might beat Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah, maybe it, not, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say with, uh, you know, starters not being there or being there. So in, and definitely if, uh, you know, Reese Whitcraft is, is pretty solid, uh, you know, guy to have in case, uh, Dayton is not available. Um, I don't know, I guess if, if I had to, I'm kind of jaded, <laughs> I guess. So I would say I wouldn't expect it, 
I guess. And if it happens, I'll be happy and surprised. That's kind of how I, I, I tend to think about these things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think this year has been a lot better than last year. What about this new rule change? So think about Shane Griffith. He medically defaulted out, right? Yes. So does he have a loss now because of the new rule? So supposedly that counts on his record as a loss. I don't necessarily know how that's going to work. You know, I mean, the big thing is NCA seeding and stuff. So, okay. I don't. So, like, as a ranker, do you, gonna... do you take that as a loss, though, as a ranker? Because I would think probably not. No, I'm I'm just counting matches wrestled. Um, but I don't know how the seeding committee is going to. Uh, maybe if him and someone else have a similar resume, haven't wrestled each other, you know, that's kind of a knock against him. I, I guess that's okay. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I do think something needed to be done because like, look at the NBA, right? They had a lot of those guys sitting out with load testing or whatever it's called, like, you know, load management and look at what they're doing now. They're, they pulled together this random in-season tournament that no one really knows what the hell it means just because they're trying to get people to pay attention to the games it's a very dangerous place when you only care about the postseason, and that's wrestling for better or worse has always been all that matters is March. But as we've seen so far, there's so much good wrestling to happen and it's a really good product as long as the best guys are wrestling. So it seems like this year it's happening less than last year. Yeah, for sure. And I think Vegas was kind of a great example of that because, you know, there weren't that many different teams. You know, Oklahoma State was one. They they hadn't been to Vegas since 1999, I was told. Um, but, you know, Ohio State's always there. Cornell's always there. Nebraska's usually there. Michigan's always there. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's kind of often there. So it's, it's Iowa not like State was new. Yeah, Iowa State's another one. So, yeah. you know, you had those teams, but it wasn't that there were a lot of new teams. It was just most of their guys are wrestling so yeah um, and even guys were like you would have understood if they defaulted out like some of those cornell guys mm -hmm. like a tree munoz that's pretty impressive that they did it right i mean that's that says a lot yeah yeah and that that's true i didn't i didn't see as many medical forfeits for fifth place match or you know on the on the backside as you would have imagined or would would have seen in years past yeah well, as we as we look ahead, um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we get back to current events, though. All right, so your YouTube channel, you have the most incredible vault of semis and quarterfinal matches I've ever seen. How did you come by those? Were you just like sitting on the floor at all these nationals recording? <laughs> oh, no. So uh, when I said that I felt like I didn't, you know, wasn't knowledgeable enough about the sport, you know, I just went on ebay in 2007 or no 2004 ish and you know found like hey you know 2005 ncaa semifinals and and for people listening that may be younger um at that point you only had the ncaa finals on tv and yeah you know you go back a year or two like some of the it was espn like cutting out half the matches and mm -hmm. um so you know, it was hard to find some of these matches. So, you know, I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, I bought a couple of these and then like, I, I, uh, kind of got friendly with the guy I was buying them from and he had stuff. And so, so I, I was buying more directly from this guy. And then I found that 
the uh, NWCA would record these matches uh, mat side, like you've seen in the quarters and semis, and then sell them to the public the year after the tournament. So then I was just buying them directly from the NWCA. And I think they stopped that around 2013 because I don't, my collection of that type of stuff dies right there. So a uh, story about that. Um, I was doing some sort of a project. Um, trying to think what it was, maybe 2016, 17 ish. And uh, I was talking to Jake Herbert and uh, so I was asking about specific stuff in his career. And I mentioned the big 10 finals uh, when he pinned Mark Perry the year that Perry was at 74. So uh, I, so I asked him about it and he's telling me like, yeah, it was the greatest. I pinned the Iowa guy and made him cry. And it was on my birthday. And uh, so uh, he's like, you know, uh, I'm, I've had a bounty on that match for the last, you know, five years. I've been trying to find it. I've talked to Bader and Flo and, you know, nobody has it. And I was like, well, I watched it last night. Um, I can get you a copy. <laughs> and uh, so, so he was like, yeah, that would be incredible. So, you know, I, I sent him a copy and then I actually sent him through the mail, a physical copy of it. And, uh, you know, he texted me afterwards and was like, you know, what do you want me to give you for this? Like, I, I was going to pay a hundred bucks for it. Um, you know, let, let me, let me give you a hundred bucks. And, uh, I said, man, I, I can't do that. You know, this is your memories. This is your deal. Um, you know, if you have a double leg ninja shirt, I'll take one of those. And he said, done, no doubt. And so I get this double leg ninja shirt and he had like a little card in there <clears throat> and it said, uh, you know, thanks again, this and that. And he's like, you should do something with your videos. You're sitting on a gold mine. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I'll just start posting these stuff on YouTube or whatever. So that's kind of how that started. Yeah, I'm so glad you did because <clears throat> some of these, and it's not like the matches have any, like, there's no scoreboard, there's no announcer. You just got to hope the camera pans to the that side scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, but there's the like, right angle. <laughs> oh, like, um, like Abbas Jurgens is like one of my favorite matches. That's one of yours. I mean, there's so many on there. So it's just, it's awesome to see that. And it's like, it's funny how when you get into wrestling more and more, like you start seeing people like, all right, you see your name on YouTube a bunch. And then, then I see you on Twitter. Then I start to cross-reference it. Then I'm like, oh, that's the Intermac guy. It's like, as you get deeper into it, you just start finding these connections. So I, I had to ask you about that because I love those videos, man. Yeah. Well, it, it's been great. Cause like guys, guys around my age and uh, you know, your studs at the time, there wasn't flow, there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't, you know, all these other places where, you know, the, you know, Meyer Shapiro, for instance, like probably every one of his big matches are somewhere out there on the internet, but everybody else, like maybe their NCAA finals was there. So I've had a bunch since I've been posting them, I've had a bunch of those big name guys from that time contact me and say, you know, do you have anything else of mine? You know, my, my kids, uh, you know, want to watch my matches. I don't have anything. And, uh, you know, there's, there's one still, uh, Eric, Eric Larkin, I posted his, well, like one of his quarterfinals or something. And he reached out and said, do you have my finals match? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And he's like, no, no, not the ESPN version. The ESPN version cut out the first, 
uh, first period. And that's when I got like two or three takedowns. That's when I did all my good stuff. That's so, so annoying. So to this day, it's like this guy's a Hodge Trophy winner and, you know, would be like the biggest superstar in wrestling, you know, if he were, you know, in college right now, he doesn't have a copy of his NCAA finals match. Like the real, the real match. That, that era though, literally like if I have a guest on from the late nineties or early two thousands, sometimes you can't even find a Google picture of them wrestling in college. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing from that era. So, wow. That's, I wonder who he wrestled. I'm sure he had some battles with Lawrence. Oh imagine. yeah. Like those yeah. guys. That was yeah. kind of the big rivalry at the time. And his kids now are no <clears throat> joke. Oh yeah. my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Now, he's crushing it. Yeah. I mean, and you, it's just the whole Valiant prep thing is so cool. Like what they're doing on there is amazing. And it's, I hope, I hope more States adopt that couple, couple rapid fire for you. When is Iron Man going down? Is that this weekend or next weekend? Yeah, this week. That's a big one. Are you going to that? No. Uh, generally, Willie hits the high school stuff more than I do. If uh, I don't know if there's something that's his world with or whatever, then you know I'm more than happy to assist. But yeah. Okay, Iron Man this weekend. That's a big one. And then what do, what do we got coming up in December? We got national duels. Midland scuffle, any other big ones in December? Uh, U.S. Nationals for the senior level, obviously. Any other big ones you're looking forward to? Yeah, those are kind of the the big ones, I'd say. Yeah, and then I, I was talking to Tim Sosesky last week. Midland's coming up. Like as an Illinois kid growing up, Midland's was like our CKLV times ten because he had mm-hmm. the outer, he had the post grads doing it. So I'm excited to see Midland's going again. I I really do think. As much as I get why Penn State and Iowa don't do a tournament, okay, Hawkeye salute or Soldier salute, whatever. I mean, like a big tournament where there's a bunch of teams. Like, I do think it'd be so cool to have, like, at least every team do one, you know? And Penn State, like, their room is so deep. I get it. Same with Iowa. But, man, like, I just – the fun and the excitement from CKLV – it's just crazy to me how how fun it was to see guys going at it deep in wrestlebacks. It was awesome. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's also – you know, beneficial if you're having a two-day weigh-in, two-day tournament situation, which, uh, you know, I don't believe Penn State does until Big Tens. Now, they uh, they seem to be figuring things out pretty well, so <laughs> I'm not going to tell Kale how to do his job, but uh, it would be incredible to, you know, if they were in the field at Vegas or one of those tournaments you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they used to go to uh... – they used to go to the scuffle because there's a couple of times they brought red shirts in who would like made the font. Maybe it was like Jared Cortez here. Can't remember who exactly, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's an awesome season, man. And Earl, I just got to say, man, thank you for all your coverage of wrestling. Cause it's, it's so fun to follow Intermat and then you're, Oh, I wanted to ask you about this. What's your, your D one weekly guide and how can folks get subscribed to that? Um, I just, I post it usually, if it's kind of a normal week, I'll post it on Wednesday. It's funny because uh, when I took over at the Open Mat, um, that was something that Alex Steen started. And I kind of didn't pay attention to it. And it wasn't until like the first month of the season, I kept getting emails, you know, where's the viewer guy? Where's the viewer guy? And I don't think that I, anything else I had like got the kind of feedback and emails like that did so i was like okay i guess i guess people are into this thing so uh you know i i started it there and then 
uh, carried it over with Intermat. So uh, about every Wednesday, I'll post, you know, the schedule for the week and how to watch each of the matches with links. And, uh, you know, it, it, I know it's, I use it. I'll have it, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that window will be open for me all weekend. So, uh, yeah, people, people tend to get into it. <laughs> well, Adam Terrapella told me about it and it's like, it's genius because there are so many kind of random duels going on all the time that unless you know, yeah, Hey, I got some time on Friday or Sunday. I'll pop it on. So I think it's a really cool thing. And anyone listening to this, definitely check it out either on, on Twitter at Intermat or you personally on Twitter, it's called the live streaming guide. The other thing I was going to ask you about is how can folks, so Intermat has content. There's some free, there's some paid. The paid content is what keeps the lights on, I'm imagining. So how can folks sign up for that? And what do they get with that paid content? Yeah, there's two options. There's $50 yearly or $10 per month. And, uh, you know, we have a tab on the site to get to it. And, you know, I, I try to keep, you know, results and in, in some of the conference correspondence uh, content under free uh, behind the paywall is kind of your more detailed um, coverage. Like right now, um, maybe before the end of the day, I'll have something about like stock up from CKLV. And uh, yesterday I posted some kind of quick reactions from it. So um, you're getting, uh, you know, really kind of detailed. And then when we're getting into the off season, that's kind of my wheelhouse where I try to be creative and um, try to, you know, maybe do some historical, um, you know, try to put some historical context into what we've seen. And, uh, but you know, I make sure that if, if you subscribe, you're getting your money's worth, you're going to get, you know, great content that you're not going to be able to get anywhere else. And folks, 50 bucks a year. We spend that on a Saturday out at, uh, out at River Shannon. I know many of my friends do. So it's going to go to a good cause. And these guys are in the wheeze, in the thick of it. You got two of the best in the business, Earl and, uh, and Willie Saylor and t a ton of people on the, on the correspondent staff as well, putting in content. So I just think it's awesome, man. And I'm a huge fan of it and everything you and your team has done. And I just want to thank you for coming on the show today, Earl. It's been awesome. Oh, no, thank you again. I've, I've been a huge fan and, and you kind of mentioned that, uh, a lot of these guys whose videos I've put up, uh, you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse. So getting to hear their kind of their behind the scenes story. That's always really fun for me. So I, I appreciate it, man. It, it's been, it's been fun to do. And, you know, a lot of good stuff coming up here. I, I tell people, it's like, we got us nationals, world trials or Olympic trials, Olympics, NCAs now all within like a six month period, nine month period. It's crazy. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah. I mean, the, when you're not actually like cutting weight and out there, you know, practicing every day and getting your head beat in like the wrestling season flies by when you're just, you know, watching it as a fan or, you know, covering it, the, the season goes by so fast. We're already, you know, a month into it. So uh, yeah, it'll, all these things you mentioned will be here before we know it. The one that gets me is first week of February. It's always like, it's starting to get sunlight a little bit out around four thirty-five, And I remember that's the only time of year where we got out of practice where it was a little bit of light. <laughs> so I'm like, but it, it tells me first week of February, 
that's regionals in Illinois, which is basically end of the year. So it always just hits me a gut punch February, first week of February. I'm like, how is the state series already started? Because high school in Illinois goes really fast. Kids, these kids are wrestling from like October through March, but the high school season is very short. So it'll, it'll be here before you know it. And yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff to, to look forward to. I encourage folks, go to Intermat. Check out Earl on Twitter. Check out the live streaming guide. These guys are doing some awesome stuff. And and Earl, thank you so much, brother. It's been an honor, man. Uh, thanks, you, Ryan. Folks, thanks for listening to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. To support the show, please go to our online store and check out our merch. It's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have stickers, hoodies, t-shirts. Again, it's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. Check out the merch store. And we'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!